Welcome to the Shepherd King Podcast. We exist to equip pastors and leaders in the local church to transcend beyond current culture, to see government through the lens of the gospel, and engage as modeled in the scriptures. I am Leo Lazzarini. And I'm Greg Baker. Welcome to the Shepherd King Podcast. In our last episode, we talked about government being an institution of God. In this episode, our goal is to talk about government as a servant for our good. Greg, how does the Bible tell us that government is a servant for our good? Well, let's let's take a look at Romans 13 again, just to, to recap our visitors. So last week we read Romans 13, we went through 1 Peter 2. But I want to highlight Romans 13 and let everyone submit to the governing authority, since there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So there we are, God instituted it, like we talked about in the last episode. So the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you'll have its approval. Mm-hmm. So this is getting to the punishment of good and evil, and 1 Peter 2 really specifies that out. It says they are sent out by him to punish evil and reward good. But then lastly, it concludes right here, for it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it's not carry the sword for no reason, for it's God's servant and avenger that brings wrath to the one who does wrong. And I'm reading out the Christian Standard Bible. So this translation is using servant. Other translations, like the NASB, use minister. But they, there's this constant comparison of service and ministry And when we're talking about government leaders. And it also doesn't say it's people's servant, it's mm-hmm. people's minister. It's God's minister. See, think that is an incredible claim from the Bible. Those who serve in government are serving the Lord, mm-hmm. not people. And when you serve the Lord, you actually end up better serving people. Right. Like this is a very important differentiation. So we think about the great commandment, right? Love the Lord your God above all else, and then love your neighbor as yourself, right? Mm-hmm. If we don't love the Lord our God with all our hearts, all our mind, and all our strength, we can't love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. The same thing is true with government. If they're not first a servant for God, how could they ever serve people? So God is making that specifically clear right here at the beginning. It's me they are serving. And when we look at government, we often we think of like the negative context of a politician We almost look down on the profession. Someone says, I'm going to run for U.S. Congress or state legislator. And we begin looking down on them. But the scripture sees this as an incredible, noble calling. It'd be similar in the church if someone says, I want to be a pastor, and they're clearly qualified to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. And we look down on them. We would never do that in the church. Then why is it that we look at people who are clearly qualified that can bring significant benefits and blessing to our cities, our communities, our states, and our nations? Mm -hmm. Why would we look down on them for wanting to pursue this office? Because God sees it as an incredible place to serve him in, and so should we. That's very good, Greg. Governing authorities are ministers of God before they are servants for our good. 
those things are very connected. Would you mind expanding more on how they are servants for our good? Well, that's not something we hear very often, is it? That's, yeah. Government is a servant for good. Mm-hmm. But it's in the scriptures. It's Romans 13, 4. And as we've discussed in other episodes, we have a unique role in government. We get to go to the capital here in Des Moines, our capital city of Iowa. We're also blessed to work with individuals who work in other capital buildings across the country. Mm-hmm. And Lord willing, someday the world. The verse that motivates me the most in this ministry, what really calls me and drives me, is that government is a servant for your good. Mm. Right there in Romans 13, 4. Meaning government is a significant blessing to people when it, cre- when it does what God created it to do, mm-hmm. when it lives by God's design. Mm-hmm. And as Christians... We must see government in that context. That doesn't mean we need to see politics in that context. Because something we are very much noticing in the West is we are in a perpetual state of elections. Mm -hmm. So that because of our perpetual state of elections, which as soon as the one election gets done, we're constantly concerned about who's going to get control of the Congress, who's going to get control of our state legislature, who's going to get control of governor offices across the country, or, or how do we get the U.S. Senate back, or how do we keep the U.S. Senate if your party has it. Instantly after the election, that's the first thing that goes through people's minds. But what should be going through our minds is that if government has been formed, it is going to be seated, and it's going to serve for two years. What is that government going to do for the people? How is that government going to serve and bless the people for the people's good? And who's the people? It's not just those who sent me here. That's not what a shepherd does. We talked about leading as a shepherd. It is not those who voted for me, or if you're in a place that doesn't vote, it's not those who don't protest against me. We, we see many totalitarian regimes suppressing people who oppress them. We've seen that through history, and we see it today. And we can all think of a country right now in our minds that has a regime that is oppressing its people to make sure negative images of them does not go out. Mm -hmm. That is not governing. Governing says, I am going to serve all people, Mm -hmm. regardless if they support me or not. I'm going to lay down my life for them and do what is for their good. And when the government does this, a nation can thrive. If you think about what justice does, so if you think if I'm a government leader and I'm actually going to do stuff for good, what does that practically mean? What does that practically look like? Justice is going to be blind. If you're rich or poor, educated, uneducated, whatever it is, you will get justice. Mm -hmm. And what justice does, it creates rest. Where there is no justice or unfair justice, there is unrest. And where there is unrest, there is no harmony. And where there is no harmony, people live extremely difficult lives. Mm -hmm. And you think about a time of war when your city is being besieged, it's not exactly a comfortable, safe, peaceful place to live. But when justice and righteousness reign, 
there is rest. And that's what government provides people. It provides a place that you can enter the business sector and know that you have rest because justice will be served when there is injustice. It is when you can enter a school system and know that justice will be served if there's injustice, regardless of who I am. Why? Because the government understands it's here to serve me. It's not in a constant state of elections looking how I beat this person and not this person. It's there for the people. And that's why government's an institution of good. Greg, that's great. Greg, in, during that time that Paul wrote about government being a servant for your good, it was a time of Emperor Nero, Right. The that's Roman right, Empire yeah. was in in um, in authority over the the church that was just and uh, over the people. Um, how does that change or impact our reading of Romans thirteen as we read government as a servant for your good? I am so glad you mentioned that, Leo. It is so important to bring these verses in full context. This is not talking about a government that was democratically elected, that gave you constitutional rights, and that you voted for. Mm. This is talking about a government that you were born into with a very oppressive king. So we talked about that king that would oppress people that stood in their way. That is who Nero was. And you, you study Nero. Nero wanted to build a massive palace. And... To accomplish it, he had to tear down a lot of Rome. And the Roman, and you you govern at the consent of the governed, even if you're a dictator. Tsar hmm. Nicholas II, unfortunately, learned that the hard way, right? And Nero learned that the hard way. The Roman people were not going for it. So Nero caused a fire. A mysterious fire that burned a good chunk of Rome. Why? So he could selfishly build his palace. That's why he did it. And the people began blaming him for the fire. They realized it wasn't an accident. Like commit insurance fraud today, the insurance company eventually figures out that that microwave just didn't cause that fire. It intentionally did. Same thing happened to Nero. And what Emperor Nero did is he needed a scapegoat. And it was Christians. That was the scapegoat. And he massacred them. And this is the individual Paul's talking about. It's also the individual that Peter is writing about when we read 1 Peter 2. And that section of the scripture ends, honor the emperor. Hmm. Look at it right there, 1 Peter 2, verse 17. Honor the emperor. And what did these, under, what did these brothers in the Lord understand? What did Peter understand? What did Paul understand? That it is beyond the person. That it's about the institution. And that is something we must learn to do. We must look beyond the individual holding the office of the presidency, and we must look beyond the individual holding the governor's office or any office you can imagine and look at the office itself. Paul had a high regard for the office of the emperor, and so did Peter. Not once were they saying that Nero was a good man upholding the rights of the citizens. They were looking at the institution itself. And what we learned throughout mankind, is that government, as flawed as it often is, brings order and some form of stability in a land. And anarchy leaves people to mob rule, and mob rule leads to death and destruction because mankind is left 
alone with its selfish interests. And on this side of eternity, government will continue to be flawed, but there will be a day that this life will pass. We will enter the internal kingdom of Jesus and government will reign perfectly. There will be no more approval ratings. There will be no more elections. There will be no more heirs. King Jesus will always rule and always be perfect. But until then, this mankind's government, the institution, the idea of itself is a blessing for the people. That's very good, Greg. How do you see in the scripture maybe some more examples of the believers honoring that office? Um, not so much in, in agreement with everything that the person is doing or, or saying, but having a really strong um, and honest honor for the office. I think about Paul when he comes before Agrippa. Um, like, what are some examples of people in the scripture that honored with that conscience that is an institution of God for our good? You're absolutely right. Uh, Paul before Agrippa is a great example. Acts 26, you just see the, the gracious and honoring language mm -hmm. that Paul brings before the king. We also see that with the other governors of Rome that Paul stood before. Mm -hmm. My favorite example in the scriptures is the prophet Daniel and the emperor Nebuchadnezzar. Mm -hmm. And the heart that Daniel had for this emperor. And Daniel honored the emperor all the days of his life, and he faithfully served him. And God would later humble this emperor, and he would give the emperor a dream. And Daniel was tasked to interpret the dream. And it was not a good interpretation. And I don't know about you, but I'm not wanting to be the person that gives the interpretation to the most powerful person in the world that can kill me simply by snapping his fingers. But Daniel did it. Hmm. But look at the tone that Daniel did it in. Let this not be for you, O king. Daniel understood the judgments of the Lord were true. And this is in fact what the emperor deserved. Mm -hmm. But he had a heart for him. He cared for him. And when he was restored, Daniel faithfully served him. But what's even more remarkable about Daniel, he would do this three more times. He faithfully served Nebuchadnezzar. Then he served Nebuchadnezzar's heir in the Babylonian Empire. But even more remarkable than serving four of these emperors, the Babylonian Empire falls, a new empire emerges, the Persian Empire, and Daniel continues to serve Persian emperors because Daniel understood that it's by God that kings rise and fall. He wrote it in the scriptures. God spoke to him in that, and he understood it's by God that empires rise and fall and that no empire but King Jesus is, is eternal. And Daniel kept serving. But when the king's edict violated his spiritual conscience, when he knew it violated God's law. Daniel knew at this time I must obey God rather than man. And he models true civil disobedience for us by still praying when it's against the king's law. But he goes on honoring the king. He goes on serving the king, even when the king had such an unrighteous law. And he followed him. And Daniel's example, what did it produce? It produced the king grieving 
when Daniel was thrown in that lion's den. Daniel broke the law. He broke the emperor's edict. And the emperor is grieving when he's thrown in because the emperor knew Daniel was a righteous man because mm -hmm. Daniel led by example and still honored him even in the disobedience. Daniel's an incredible example to us on how we are to live today in the modern-day Babylon and Persia. This is not our home. We long for a heavenly home, but this is where we are until then. And we should follow his and Paul's and many other people's examples in the Word of God and even throughout history that we've seen right here. Amen. That's such a good example, Greg. Um, Daniel, his, just his relationship with the emperor was incredible, and his attitude and the way that he approached him. Thank you for bringing that up. Greg, as you look throughout history, I know you love history and you love to observe just the things that have happened and good examples that we can follow even today. Can you think of any historical examples that we could bring to our listeners today? Yeah, absolutely. And a person that we're going to unpack considerably in a future episode is uh, President Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. You read Lincoln's second inaugural address, there is a deep understanding that... Uh, God is the one who makes kings rise and fall. He begins with, we two powers, and he's talking about the North and the South. He never recognized the South as a separate government. He says, our two sides have prayed to the same God and read the same Bible these five years of war. And he answers, has not answered either of our prayers. He's not on either of our sides. Mm -hmm. Lincoln understood that both powers were beholden to God and he continued, the reason why God is not on either of our sides, he's opposed to us for the sin of slavery, and that he's casting punishment on the battlefield for that sin. He understood where true authority lied. Hmm. And that is why throughout his presidency, he called us to repentance and prayer, because he knew the only hope for America was not one side winning a war, it was the returning and recognizing of the one who had the authority to make the nation rise or fall. Amen. That's so good. Greg, to close our time today, what would be some ways that we as believers can imitate them today? God's people are people under authority. And in our nature, our sinful nature, is rebellion. And that is what is at the root of the garden. It's rebellion that my command is greater than the command that is over me. And I'm going to obey me rather than God. That is in us. You want to be a light in your city. Be a person under authority. And there's multiple authorities God has set up in your life. Be a person under authority in the local church. Be in good standing. Be a member of a church. Commit serve to it, be in accountability, get counsel, obey that counsel. Be a person that obeys laws that don't violate God's commands. Honor those in authority. Honor your pastor. Honor your father and mother. Honor the emperor. Who do you call the president of the United States by president before you say their name? Do you call your governor governor? before you say their name? Apostle Paul did. And he stood before some wicked people. Are we honoring the office? 
And then we are commanded to pray for those in authority. Are you a person praying for those in authority in your life? Are you praying for your family? Are you praying for your church and your pastors? And are you praying for the authorities that God gave you in their land, whether you voted for them or not? Because a Christian gets authority. And you will be an example. Just changing the way you speak and praying, you will stand out and it will change your heart and how you view those individuals. Amen. Thank you so much, Greg. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much for all that you shared. And thank you for listening to us uh, today again. Thank you for joining us on the Shepherd King podcast. It has been truly a blessing to have you with us on this on this podcast. And uh, our hope is that this podcast will continue to equip you to see government as a gift from God for our good. The Shepherd King Podcast is brought to you by the Church Ambassador Network, a ministry of the Family Leader Foundation that inspires the church to engage government for the advance of God's kingdom. For more information about the Church Ambassador Network, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, thefamilyleader.com church.